following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North, KSTP AM 1500. The following is a presentation of financial crisis recovery. Foreclosure, short sales, bankruptcy, credit card debt, job loss, depreciating home values, money management. Peace of mind when it comes to your finances seems completely out of reach under current conditions, but there is a way to achieve it. For the next 60 minutes, you're going to find out how to cover your assets. Cover your assets. Now, here's nationally renowned speaker and expert on getting you on the path to financial strength, Todd Rooker. Good morning, everybody. Another enlightening, illuminating episode of Cover Your Assets. I think this is going to be a good one. I think this is uh, one that some of you are aware of. And even if you are, the the topic that I'm about to cover, I think, is going to cause you to uh, have some deep thoughts. <laughs> Jack Handy, right? Deep thoughts. Um, That's a throwback. Yeah, yeah. And, and for a lot of folks who are out there, you are entrenched in the mindset of earned income earned income and that means you you do a thing you perform a skill or a job or a profession and you are paid for that thing that you do that's earned income uh, asset and or portfolio income are your assets making you money not respective of your personal efforts uh, or at least not respective of your actual personal work to make that happen, you may have done things to put yourself in a position to make that money, but those things now have become uh, uh, something unto themselves, a life of their own, if you will. And so for a lot of people, they don't understand anything but earned income. As a matter of fact, if I own your company, I don't work at your company, I don't do anything at your company, and uh, you're an employee of that company, and let's just say that I make 50 times what the average employee in the company that I own earns. Do you think that will create animosity on behalf of the employees, the notion that I don't even have to work and I make more money than all of them? Do you think that that will, will frustrate some people? And if the answer is yes, I think it is yes, uh, then that's the point of this. They don't understand anything but earned income. And the idea that people should be able to make money through what we're going to talk about today, the topic, forgive me, let me get to it. And that is leverage and how to make money on inflation. So we're going to be explaining the topics of leverage and how you can benefit through that leverage and how you can benefit uh, also make money using leverage uh, with inflation. So everybody's so worried about inflation. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Well, what if I told you that like all things, good and bad, there are always opportunities if you have financial intelligence and you know how money works. And let's be honest, I don't care if you have an MBA, I don't care if you make, you know, a seven-figure income working for a company or a half a million dollars a year working for a company. See, now, to everyone else, for the work that you do, if you're compensated in that way, you've got it going on. And look, I'm not going to disagree that that's a lot of money or that's good income, earned working income. But I am talking about something entirely different here. And you hear me say many, many times, uh, it's not about that. Because see, when you stop working, then whatever lifestyle you derive from that, 
can probably come to an end unless you have put your money to work, you have created assets and or a portfolio, and now that will support that same lifestyle. And for a lot of people, the answer is they don't have that. Even though they may make very good money, they work their rear ends off, you know, to get to that first time they break that six figures. Wow, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000. And, you know, the the one thing I want to say about many things, obviously, uh, that I want to bring up here is if you're hearing information today and you're saying, well, you know, I don't know if I buy into that. You know, I've never heard. Nobody's else, nobody else has ever told me that. Well, let me just tell you why. What benefit? And you tell me what benefit does an employer ever have? What is what? How are they incentivized to help you achieve financial independence? Why would they ever want to do that? What would be the reason? Well, how, how would that benefit them, their companies, their endeavors? How? Tell me. Because remember, somebody who's financially independent doesn't need anybody. They don't need a job. They don't need to go to work. That doesn't mean that they're lazy and they won't go to work. But they don't need to do anything that they don't think is uh, something that's going to benefit them or something that they want to do. Well, is that what an employer wants? Does an employer want your rear end there at 8 o'clock in the morning on Monday? You better believe they do. And why in the world would they help you put you in a position where if they asked you to do something, you were in such a strong financial position that you were capable of saying, you know, I don't agree with that. I don't think I want to do that. (laughs) What? What? I own you, Jack. (laughs) I call you at 10 o'clock on Friday night. By gosh, you answer that phone. Right? And I need you to come in on Saturday. I don't want to hear about whether you want to do it or not. I didn't ask the question. I just told you you had to be there. Why does an employer have an interest in making you financially independent and teaching you the things that I'm going to talk about today? And the answer is very simple. There is no incentive. There's no reason why they would want to do that. So a lot of the stuff that you're going to hear on here, you may not hear anywhere else. And so that's maybe very important to help you understand. Uh, so that difference between earned income and passive income is something that's lost on most people. And although you may be intellectually smart enough to understand the differences, it doesn't really, doesn't really jibe with the way your brain works. And most of the people you know, which represents about 90 plus percent of the population, and I sincerely mean that too, because that is what forms your context and your manner of thinking. So here's another one. Good debt versus bad debt. Well, to most, certainly Minnesotans, there is no such thing as good debt. I don't want to owe anybody any money. That is, again, the notion of earned income and the notion of something simple and straightforward that people understand and that others do not. Because remember, the people who understand the difference between good debt and bad debt most are business owners. They're people who understand the concepts I'll be talking about today, and that is leverage. And although uh, you can make leverage on a lot of things, whether there is inflation or not, it does look like we may have some inflation uh, coming at us pretty fast and hard. And it could it could get better. It could get worse worse. But I'm here to tell you that who cares because you can make money regardless. And I'm and I'm going to teach you that today, hopefully. So. Uh, when 
you work a job and you're compensated for the work you do, that's the earned income. When I own a business, I'm compensated for the work that other people do, and my income is limitless. So imagine that whatever occupation or profession pays an income, whatever it happens to be, say $50,000 a year. Well, okay, well, that that my income now, if it's 40 hours a week, then that's the number that I make. And if I get paid overtime or I make more money if I work more hours, the bottom line is there's only so many hours in a day that I can work, and I'm limited by that level, that pay scale or pay level that I earn. And I can make good money, make good money, but but am I going to become rich making that money? Well, we could argue about the whole notion of pay less, spend less than you earn and invest the money, which, hey, we're going to be talking about that. But that's not the point I'm trying to make now. I'm saying that's limited. However, the business owner who maybe had the same skills that you had, did the same job you did, earned the same money that you did, but now has started their own company. And let's say that on the $50,000 per year, and including your overtime income, they charge a fee to the end uh, uh, payer or consumer or whomever, if it's business to business or business to consumer, they charge a number that enables them to pay you that $50,000 a year and earn 20% on every dollar that they pay you. What does that mean? That means that if they have five people working for them, without even waking up in the morning, they're already making as much money as they could have ever made being a practitioner. Well, Some if- of this is more even like just overt and apparent to us employee folk. You know, me as an independent insurance agent, just a big chunk of my commissions, depending on their source, goes right to the company. I know what that percentage is. The company knows what that percentage is. It's readily apparent. Absolutely. And it goes even farther than that, Evan, because when I talk to folks like yourself, one of the first questions that I ask them is, "Do you own your own book?" Because yep. a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the brokerages today don't even allow their people to own their own book. And so, is there leverage in that? Well, I don't know. If a person goes to work for thirty years, and at the end of the thirty years, they've got a book of business that encompasses two thousand of their clients, and that has a value per client when they retire to sell to the company, versus someone who doesn't have that. There's leverage in one instance, and no leverage in the other instance. Right? I simply earn earned income. I don't build an asset, and so that's a very important thing. And you're right. The, the the bottom line always is, folks, for business to succeed, the business always has to make more money on your efforts and what you do than what they're paying you. Because if they're not doing that, they won't be in business for very long. So if that bugs you, well, I'll just say too bad, because that is the way of the world. And that certainly is capitalism, which you may not like, or maybe you love, because you are a business owner. And uh, nevertheless, the point is, is that if I have 100 employees all doing the skill that I previously 20 years ago did, they're all making what I would be making if I were still engaged in that skill. But now I'm making 20% on each one of them. Well, I already told you it takes five people at 20% or 10 people at 10% to make the same amount of money. What happens when I've got 100 people 
doing that job. Well, there lies the limited, limitless potential that one can make as a business owner, and that is leverage, isn't it? That's leverage. And that's what, what Evan's talking about when, when he works for an organization that employs him or, or pays him for the sales that he makes in insurance. And of course, they have a number that they earn on the sale of that product. They, he has a number that he earns on the sale of that product. And undoubtedly, their percentage is bigger than his so that they make money on everything he does. It depends on which type of lead it is, by the way. Our <laughs> setup is leads that the, company generates they get 60 percent of leads that i generate i get 60 percent of sure sure and 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 so there's that 60 percent right so where'd that other 40 percent go oh yeah right to that <laughs> and that's that's fine i mean like as as a independent agent i recognize the value in being part of a bigger agency and all that stuff certainly so you know as as long as as long as you're cognizant of that relationship, it can work both ways. Yeah. Um, in my case, you know, I, I had you look at the contract and make sure that everything looked kosher. And, you know, it's like, do I own my book now? No. But as long as I'm with the company for a certain period, uh, 12 years, I own my book. It vests over time. And that was an important thing for me to look at is like, do do I have a long-term prospect here or do they just want you to be bottom rung employee forever absolutely and within that 40 percent, of course the business owner will say yes but i've got all kinds of expenses and of course it's within the business owner's uh, uh control to manage those expenses and ensure that they are less than the 40 percent override that they're getting but there lies how the money is made that's that's how that's how money's made now what Evan brings up, of course, is obvious information, except do you really think about it that much? Or have you just come to the conclusion, well, it just is what it is and I don't care? Or do you want to, at some point, evolve to that next level yourself? That's a question. The other component when we talked with Evan was, am I am I forced to work under the roof of the company that I work for. And so, you know, maybe at some point, um, when you do something known in, in, in the financial business, the run to daylight, be the time that you have to produce and prove that you can produce before you actually uh, own your own book and tenured, we might call that. Okay, well, once that happens, then you're going to be paid on pure commission because now you've created enough volume, maybe, that you can support yourself. But then they're going to impose expenses, maybe, maybe, maybe not, maybe yes, maybe no. And if they impose expenses, what if I have to now pay for the cubicle or I have to pay for the office now that I'm a big shot in the company uh, with, with a corner view? And I have to pay that money every single month in the form of rent. Well, the question might immediately be, could I take that same amount of money that I'm paying in rent, move out of the corporate building and buy my own building? And so now the same amount of money that I'm spending on rent would be there to pay off an asset that I would own. All of those things are leveraged because I'm doing the same job every day. But one, I get to I get to not only have earned income. Two, I get to own the book, so I'm developing equity within the volume of business that I'm doing. And three, the the amount of expenses that I'm paying now could buy me an asset. All of those things are 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 leverage above and beyond simply making an earned income. And there's there's a there's a shift in this too. Um, a good friend of mine who I regularly play D and D with just leveraged in that same way to 
move into a bigger house. Because now that they're realizing that they can do work from home, he went, well, all of this money that I'm spending renting office space, I could just be spending on a house payment on a bigger, more robust property building equity that way. So they packed up and moved to a much bigger property. And even though it's not a commercial property, the equity that he's building now, it's, you know, he's stepped up from a 400 something thousand dollar house to a 600 something thousand dollar house. Right. And so that would be exactly the equivalent, even though it's, it's his house as comparing lease payments, rent to actually buying something. And that makes very good sense. Now, you know, I talk a lot about the formulas in determining if an investment property works or not. But see, there's a contrast between vetting a property for pure investment versus one where I'm already paying anyway. And in one instance, I pay down principal balance on a loan for essentially the same amount of money and build equity versus the other one where I get virtually nothing. I mean, that becomes a very different decision than how to make the most money with the money that I have. Back to the leverage concept. That is the whole notion of leverage. How to earn more or how to make the most amount of money with the, with the, uh, assets uh, myself, uh, my resources, uh, my efforts, my money, the things that I own, my assets, how to make the most money for time spent, engaged or not engaged with the resources that I have. That's, that's leverage. And, and honestly, guys, that concept, that thought should permeate every decision that you make and everything you do throughout your working day how to get the most out of the resources that I bring to bear. And that is does not mean being a cheapskate and trying to do things for free. I know that's what everybody thinks it is. I'm talking about doing more. I'm really not an advocate of living a a a you know minimal minimal lifestyle. Uh, you know where I'm eating ramen noodles and drinking water and not not spending money on juice or milk or anything else. And that's how I'm going to get rich. I'm aware that that one is what most people uh, subscribe to or at least think of. Um, um, and that's okay. Um, that's okay because the reason they've come to that conclusion is because their income is what it is and they maybe don't have any control over growing or building that income other than advancing in their career. And maybe at some point in your, in your working life, you've come to the conclusion that you've reached that ceiling and you're not going to go any further. And so now th- there is no more making more money, at least in your mind, which may not be accurate, by the way. Uh, but you may believe that. And so consequently, the only thing you can do to create any form of asset value or net worth is to spend less and less to have something to work with. So I do get that, but I don't believe in that. I believe in making more money. I certainly want to control my spending, but I believe in making more money. Uh, Nevertheless, there's ways to do that through leverage. And we're going to talk about how that leverage uh, can be personified and give you some thoughts about how you might do that in your own life. So let's take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about very specific things related to how you can leverage your resources to make the most amount of money time spent. We'll be right back.
Great Waters Financial specializes in helping you retire comfortably. When it comes to seeking retirement guidance, you don't need a salesman. You need an ally. Great Waters Financial doesn't have a hidden agenda. Their professionals at Great Waters Financial focus on what matters, your financial peace. Start planning for your future now and make your money work for you. Great Waters Financial is the official financial planning service of Cover Your Assets. For more information, call 612-360-2127 or go to greatwatersfinancial.com. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the WOW experience. Hello, I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Did your employer make you sign a promissory note when joining the company and now you want to leave but you're afraid your firm will pursue you personally for that debt? This is Jesse Keyboard from the law firm Parker Daniels Keyboard. I recently represented a client who had signed such a note and I was able to get them out of their $500,000 debt to their company which allowed them the freedom to exit a bad employment situation and enter a much better one. Meeting our clients' objectives is our focus at Parker Daniels Keyboard. And in this regard, we win. Our experienced trial team of lawyers at Parker Daniels Keyboard have secured major victories in state and federal courts across the country and through arbitration. We have the legal expertise in all types of business disputes, labor and employment matters, real estate matters, shareholder disputes, financial transactions, security issues, and appeals. For wise counsel winning results, contact us at Parker Daniels Keyboard, a premier litigation law firm that provides efficient, aggressive, and innovative solutions to complex legal problems. Wise counsel winning results. Go to ParkerDK.com. He can lift a bus straight over his head. He can fly around the world in seconds. And he has the power to regenerate entire limbs. Okay, so Jason Walgrave isn't actually a superhero. But once you visit his website to find out what he knows about real estate, you may start to think he's superhuman. That's because at JasonWalgrave.com, you'll find absolutely anything you need to know about real estate in the Twin Cities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell your home, check out JasonWalgrave.com, the number one place for all your real estate questions. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP Smart Side Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the SMART choice. Call today for your free estimate, 877-SMA-TODAY, or go online to SMA2DAY.com. 
Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412 Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. If you're a business owner, I have an ingenious opportunity for you. It puts business owners like you in contact with other businesses to barter goods and services without cash. With over 20,000 businesses involved, chances are we have the products and services you want. Barter dollars are the same value as real dollars, so when someone buys from you, those barter dollars can be used to purchase goods and services. You can watch our video by going to thebarterguy.com or call me at 952-856-8866. Again, that number, 952-856-8866. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. So, what are the things that you can do, or at least maybe some examples of how you can employ leveraging your own life? What What are the some of the things that you can do? Well, you know, um, I, I talked about you know having multiple people working for you and 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 how that works. Uh, hopefully, you understood that. But even within your business, even within a business. Uh, and, and by the way, I often will say to someone who says, I want you to, I want to hire you to help me build my, build and grow my business. <clears throat> and, and hey, love it, you know, uh, but, you know, I have to know that there's actual potential. If I take a person on as a client, I actually want to know that, you know, not just what they say, but they, they really are serious about doing it and they're in a financial position to do it. And that means either they have money to, reinvest into the business or they have the capacity to seek financing and qualify for it and that they have a mental uh, uh, desire to do it. They're not just bluffing. They really are serious and they want to do it. And they're in a position to to uh, actually execute. So so uh, I'll say so if I give you a hundred grand uh, to invest in your business, I'll invest in your business. I don't mean I'm going to give you a loan. I don't mean I'm, you're going to pay me five or six or seven percent interest on the money. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm going to invest in your company. And in addition, uh, it, it, and I'll leave that money there if you continually pay me a rate of return. So what will my rate of return be? On that money. I don't mean with, you know, remember, this is not about you working. It's not about you going to work. I'm going to give you $100,000 in your business, which presumably means you're going to expand your business. And by, by investing that money into your business, the outcome is going to, is going to become profitability. And what is that number going to be relative to the amount of money that I gave you? How much more profitability will you have? And people look at me and have no idea. They they want to build their business, but they don't even understand the fundamentals of it. So there are leverage opportunities in your business. And I've already brought one of them up, which is how much do you make on each one of your employees? 
You know, now maybe I've got a lot of employees, so I don't keep track of a metric on every single person's actual performance pay and what I earn on each person. But at least can I can you tell me how much you are earning on your workforce or if the people that you employ are this, that or the other thing? Obviously, you've got administrative people that will have a different metric. But do you know what that is? So when you add new people, when you add new practitioners, what does that mean once they're at a certain level of experience? How much? Much are they going to earn you earn for you on time uh, based on time spent, or better yet, how much are they earning for you now? It's a very important thing, isn't it? Well, there are opportunities like that everywhere inside of your business, and a perfect one might be marketing. You know, if I reinvest money into marketing, and and by the way, most small business owners don't at all. They all they have is organic marketing, and they don't understand anything about marketing, advertising, branding, which, by the way, are all different. <laughs> all they understand is like infomercials. If I give you money for marketing, my phone starts ringing. No, dumb dumb, it doesn't work that way. Well, then I'm not going to do it. Well, then that's why you're going to stay a small business. So you've got to understand that. But if I take and put money into marketing and that money costs me this much money, how much does that create in volume? That means gross revenue for me versus how much I have to pay to support that with internal costs. And how much more does my margin go up relative to the amount of money that I've injected into the business? That is leverage. Now, obviously, the leverage is how much more money I make on the money that I invested. And so if you don't even know those metrics about your business and you've never even considered those things, then how would you know where the best place would be to put the money? Another example would be somebody is in a business where they offer, where they do a multitude of things. They've got you know, three, four, five, ten different things that they do. And that constitutes the total volume in business that they do. But here's the thing, guys. There's going to be certain things, certain products or services that they offer that by far are going to produce more profit margin for time spent or the same amount of money. So is that leverage? Of course it is. And so if I were to, you know, uh, create a gross income in a business, don't forget that that gross income to get to a point where I actually have profit money to work with, to re-inject, to reinvest into the business, it has to go through quite a process. And that process begins as gross revenue that you're paid for the work or services that uh, products that you produce and, and, and provide. Then you have operational costs. And salaries, right, material costs, labor costs, uh, licensing, all the other things that you go through. And then you have to pay taxes on that money. And then you've got a portion of that money that obviously not only is going to go to pay your employees, but also pay you to support your lifestyle. And then you're left with this little bit amount of money that's left over. Now, mind you, with a C corporation, it's a little different, but I'm going to be talking more about S-Corps and, and LLCs that are more typical of small, closely held companies. And now you're paid that money, and that's that discretionary money. Now, if you're going to choose not to buy yourself a boat or a lake cabin, which, by the way, when you do those things, that's why the business doesn't grow, because every dollar that you spend on yourself and your lifestyle is one less dollar you have to invest in the business and grow it. Right. Right. So if you're going to do that, are you just going to market your business that does 10 different things or are you going to focus like a laser 
on the one or two products or services that make you the most money. Hey, they know you do all these things, and to keep all of your your your, your staff busy, you may do all those things. But look, if you're going to market and get the most amount of leverage out of the marketing dollars that you have gone through so much, of, as I've just illustrated, to get to have that discretionary money to do that with, where are you going to put that money in the form of marketing where it does the most good, makes you the most money, provides you with the most leverage? Has that even occurred to many small business owners? I mean, intellectually, you understand me. Yeah. Are you doing it? <laughs> so those are all leveraged concepts. You know, I, I've taught class for many organizations for many years, and I've done, I think, a reasonably good job in so much as I've gotten paid more and more and more every time my contracts have, have gone up. Now, at this point, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying it's pretty good income. I get paid $1,500 for, for doing a class. All right. Yeah, I started out like a lot of people at 40 bucks an hour, and that's great, but that's not a lot of money. And now I make 1500 bucks. So, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, except the people who are coming to the class, 80, 90, 110 of them, maybe more, are paying $110 to attain, to, 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 to go to the class. Whoa. So you mean to tell me they're making six, eight, 10, 12 grand for the class that they're paying me 1500 bucks for. I think I'm killing it at 1500 bucks. But if I marketed and taught the class and absorbed the expenses to create that course, I could make, wow, five, 10 times more for the same time spent. <laughs> Do you know why I'm starting my own school now? Does that <laughs> make sense? Leverage, huh? Leverage. And then in addition to that leverage, whenever I teach a class, I know that if there's 50 people or more in that class, I know that at least, at least 20 of them will call me in the next two weeks wanting to schedule a $300 initial consultation with me. And of those people, 70% of them will want to pay me a three to $5,000 retainer. Now, I don't take them all on because can't handle it. But you see how there's leverage every step of the way. Imagine that a business does this marketing for this primary thing. They then expose you to the, the great work that they do, the great staff that they have. And now, while they're there, they also leave you with a brochure and let you know that they do all of these other things. And they do it in like fashion, workmanlike, as they have the primary one that makes them the most money. The only difference now is that the other ones don't make them as much money. But here's the thing. They know longer have to absorb the marketing costs in that because now they've already gotten you as a customer and now it costs them nothing to do the other things in the form of a marketing expense operationally. Wow. Wow. This is leverage, folks. You got to understand it. We're going to take another break here and we're going to talk about how the banks and the government and the credit card industry have a license to do something that if you and I did it would be illegal. And they can do it every day, and most of you don't understand how they're doing it, and I'm going to explain it to you, and maybe you can consider how you might be able to do it for yourself in the form of making money in an inflationary uh, time. We will be right back. If you're a business owner, I have an ingenious opportunity for you. It puts business owners like you in contact with other businesses to barter goods and services without cash. With over 20,000 businesses involved, chances are we have the products and services you want. 
Barter dollars are the same value as real dollars, so when someone buys from you, those barter dollars can be used to purchase goods and services. You can watch our video by going to thebarterguy.com or call me at 952-856-8866. Again, that number, 952-856-8866. I have trusted attorney Brian Ajo for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients. Ajo Law Office is the go-to firm I choose because Brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt. Brian's extensive experience and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at office.com. Again, that number is 612-271-4047. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Russell Williams Home Services is your go-to company for all your window cleaning, pressure washing, and gutter cleaning needs. Serving the greater Minneapolis metro area since 2007, we have the tools, equipment, and knowledge to properly care for your home or business. We offer competitive, transparent pricing and free on-site or online consultations. Our large workforce allows us to complete even substantial projects, such as apartments, schools, and assisted living complexes in a timely manner, often in a single day. To see our window cleaning pricing structure and a complete list of services we provide, please visit our website at cleanmywindowsnow.com or reach us by phone at 612-423-3059. Do you have enough to retire? Do you even know how much you need to retire? Great Waters Financial specializes in helping people nearing retirement get ready for their next big challenge. Great Waters Financial can help you understand how much you'll need for a comfortable retirement, how long your money will last, and what you need to do now to make sure you can retire the way you want to. You've earned a great retirement. Let the team at Great Waters Financial help you make it happen. Four convenient offices in the Twin Cities. GreatWatersFinancial.com The Lone Ranger and Tonto. Yes. Laurel and Hardy. Oh, yes. Butch and Sundance. That's right. Turner and Hooch. Okay. Tango and Cash. Uh, all right. Starsky and Hutch. Uh, Itchy and Scratchy. Okay. Batman and Robin. Thank you. Got the idea. It's that every superhero needs a sidekick. That's why when Jason Walgrave needs help for his customers, he calls on Mike Overson at Leader One Financial. Find out how to get started on making your plan today at ApplyWithMike.com. He's super. Laverne and Shirley. Exactly. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures, on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer-for-life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. 
Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412, Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP Smart Side Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the SMART choice. Call today for your free estimate. 877-SMA-TODAY or go online to SMA2DAY.com You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. Are you finding this interesting? I hope so. I'm doing my best. So, the the uh, point that I was making at uh, the top of the break was, hey, you mean these institutions, our government, uh, the banks, the credit card industry, which, by the way, at the end of the day, are the banks, have this ability to do something that if you and I did would be considered illegal. And so let me give you an example. A lot of people are hearing about buying precious metals, gold, silver. And the reason is people like them is because they have a value that they believe is greater than money and is not affected in the same way by inflation because they are a standard. Well, one of the reasons is because they have intrinsic value beyond being simply a, a, a monetary exchange, something that is accepted as having value. And see, remember, that means we give it value. But, you know, gold can be used for jewelry and silver can be used for jewelry and it can be used for circuit boards. And wow, silver is becoming may become incredibly valuable in the future uh, as a result of the, the need for solar and, and silver's uh, the, the role that silver plays in that. And so they have their own value, not respective of just the value that we give them. And so that means that they have less fluctuation. And uh, wow, that's that's let's let's buy gold as opposed to this dollar. Now, let me ask you something. The, 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 The money that you have, the paper money that you have, if it isn't used for exchange, monetary exchange uh, value that, that you and I give it. What can it be used for? I mean, I guess you could burn it. <laughs> what value does it have? And by the way, you know, when I talk about gold and silver, I, I place my real estate in that same bucket in that it has intrinsic value in so much as real estate always has value and people are always willing to pay for a roof over their heads 
and or if you own farmland, uh, it always has the ability to produce of its own. Um, so intrinsic value. But paper money, which we give uh, value to, hey, you give me a $100 bill, I can take my, my wife out to eat. Maybe, maybe, well, I mean, not my wife. The bottle of wine will probably be more than that. But anyhow, uh, you get it, right? So, so the government, because there is no standard behind it, has the ability to simply print money. Just print more money. Yeah, 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 we need to, you know, we're going to have a trillion dollars, you know, we're going to float into the economy. Let's just print some more money. I guess we're, we're going to have to buy a lot of ink and paper. Wow, they can do that legally? Well, let's let's take it another step. Let's talk about banks and the credit card industry. Are you aware that through fractional reserve lending, and the reason that a bank is always interested in having you put your money in the bank, and even if that money that you put in there, you put in at payday, and then over the course of the next two weeks or the next 30 days, you are diminishing it as the money in, money out. You put it in, you pay your bills, and the money goes out. But in any given day, people are putting in money and taking out money on different days, and consequently, there's a number, an amount of money that is always there and even better and even more valuable to the bank when you have a static number in a savings account, which actually has greater propensity to stay there. And all of those dollars they can now use as leverage. How so? Well, generally, depending on the banks, and obviously smaller banks and bigger banks are very different, but and depending on the agreement that they have with the Fed, they are able to do what's known as fractional reserve lending, which means that every dollar that they have on deposit, they can generally lend dramatically more than that. And we will say, let's just say 20 times more than that. Let's just say. So when you think about banking, you think, well, you know, I know they're only they're only paying me one percent of my savings account. But, you know, I, I feel good about this. This is the lack of understanding because they're lending it to other people for three or four percent. And although they're making the one to two percent spread between what they're paying me at one percent versus what they're lending it for three or four percent, uh, because they're managing all of that. And that's good for the economy overall. And my fellow citizens, I feel good about that. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. They have leverage. They can make 20 times that number. Wow. Banking is one of the most profitable businesses there are, if you understand how it works. And obviously, most people don't. But there's tremendous leverage in that. Always remember that when a bank makes a loan to you, that is an asset to them. Because when they make a loan for $100,000 to you, that means now that that bank is owed $100,000. And they created that liability out of thin air. They also are in the business of essentially printing money, too, because they have fractional reserve lending. The only time that that loan, that liability to you, becomes no longer an asset to them, but instead a liability, is when you stop paying and don't pay them. And boy, is that a problem, right? So asset, liabilities to you are assets to the bank. When you hear a bank says, I've got, we've got a half a billion dollars in assets, what do you think they're talking about? That's what they're talking about, the outstanding liabilities that they are owed. That's it. Now, obviously, the money that they have on, on, but that's pretty much it.
right? So what about a credit card? You know, if I if a credit card gives me, you know, $10,000 credit line, then obviously they've got $10,000 sitting in their bank account that they can now use to lend to, you know, or to or to pay other people. So when they give me that 10,000, they make they make interest on their $10,000 they have in the bank. Oh, contraire. <laughs> they have no money to to that they use. It is again created out of thin air. You just created a liability and injected another outstanding amount of money in the overall economy that didn't exist before, which is an asset to one party and a liability to another, but there is no real dollars that exist to support it, much less a standard behind those dollars other than the good faith of you. That's how it works, which means they are making a ton of money on leverage, aren't they? And that alone, I think, is a revelation to most people that, you know, whatever this guy's saying, that's that can't be right. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. So you've got to understand how money works if you're if you are ever to be able to take advantage of these things on your own. And this brings me to that point of good debt and bad debt. Good debt makes me money. Bad debt costs me money. All debt is not bad. Because when someone else is paying for that debt and I'm making money on top of the payment that they're making, wow, that's good debt. But when I buy a house that I live in, everybody says, well, that's the best investment the average person can make. Yeah, probably because the average person otherwise would just take the money and spend it. So, and that's assuming that rent would be, you know, no more than the house payment, which isn't necessarily the case. Many times you're going to take out a house payment that is bigger than the rent payment that you would otherwise make. And so, yeah, now you're getting your, you have principal pay down, but don't forget you're paying property taxes, insurance, and all the ongoing maintenance, not to mention the interest you're paying on the debt throughout the life of the loan and the time that you live in that house. And until you move down, that house is not an asset. That house is a liability. It costs you money every month. So you've got to make the distinction between good debt and bad debt. So if I'm going to make money on inflation, how am I going to do that? I need to be able to create leverage, don't I? And so when I think about how to create leverage, I've talked about this on the show many times, and I want to make this point. I've told you that if I only pay for 20% of a property as a down payment, well, if the property is $100,000, I have three ways that I can make money. And, you know, those one of them is going to be cash flow, meaning that, the, the, the tenant pays me more money than all of the operational costs that will include the long-term maintenance and management cost, the long-term cost of ownership. They will pay me more than what my payments are. And as a result, I take in rent, which is raw revenue, rent roll, and then I pay all my operational costs that include vacancy rate, money that I set aside for when somebody moves and I don't get a payment for, you know, a month or two. All that's built in there. And even on top of that, I am making money. That's cash flow. There is one way to make money. Second way to make money is internal rate of return or internal internal equity increases, wherein the value of the property is going up every single month 
And I'm not paying for that entire property. So imagine, as I've stated before, if the value of a property goes from, you know, uh, you know, one year, a hundred thousand to the next year, three percent more, a hundred and three thousand dollars. Well, that is an increase in its value. Now, remember, that doesn't work on your single family home doesn't work the same way at all because now all you're doing is is keeping pace with inflation and paying for it all the while and unless you're going to sell it and make money on it well then that doesn't work this is an investment property which is different so if that happens that's great but here's the thing the whole house went up in value that three percent and if i only put 20 percent down Remember something. I didn't just get 3% on the one-fifth of the property that I paid for, 20%. I got 3% on all five components of that 20%. So 3, 6, 9, 12, 15 as an internal equity increase in its value, even though my money only paid for 20%. That's another way I make money. The third way I make money is that during this time, if I have a loan, then the tenant is paying that loan payment every single month with the rent money that they give me. And now I also have principal pay down that's taking place and will not get into the value of my depreciation and taxes, which is another way that I increase my leverage. So those are the things that make me money. Well, in an inflationary hedge, yes. The real estate has great return for all of those reasons. But remember something. If I own that property, I pay for the whole thing. I don't just pay for 20%. I pay for the whole thing. And yes, now I don't have a loan payment, so I have better cash flow. But if I were to take that $100,000 and buy one property, well, remember that I could take that same amount of money and put 20% down and own five properties and my total holdings would be $500,000 and I would have dramatically more leverage on the same amount of money. Well, what if inflation causes the value of property to go up, not by 3%, but by 5%, 7%, 10%, and my money was spread across multiple properties wherein I was getting leverage in multiples of that return cash on cash of the money that I actually put in. Wow. Well, then I would love inflation, wouldn't I? And then because inflation causes the value of properties to rise, I get to increase my lease payments or my lease charges upon lease renewal. And now the tenant is paying me even more money, which means my cash on cash return is exponential because here again, I only put 20% of my own money down and I'm benefiting from the entire property. That's leverage, isn't it? That's how it works. Now, at some point, if I want to retire and I need pure income, Sure. At that point, maybe then I sell the properties, do a 1031 exchange, and now I buy properties of equal or greater value, but I pay for them because maybe I've depreciated those properties and their basis down to virtually nothing. And so I'm running out of depreciation. I'm getting killed on taxes. 
Okay, fair enough. Well, then let's simply take that money, do a 1031, buy another property of equal or greater value, but pay for it with cash this time around. And now I get to begin the depreciative factoring all over again, and I get more tax-free dollars. Moreover, if I actually do need a lump sum, I can do a cash-out refi, and the tenant is now going to pay all of the debt service on the loan, and I don't pay any taxes when I take out a loan because that's a loan. There are no, there is no income, even though I just got a lump sum of a hundred, two hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. And now the great news is I don't even have to make the payments because the tenants' rents are making the payments for me. Wow. And then when I die and my spouse passes away and it transfers to my children, they get to reset the basis and they can start depreciating all over again and do 1031s as well. This is assuming that our crazy government doesn't take these things away. So, wow, is there leverage in all of that? Yes, but there's leverage, folks, in everything that you do. And one of the things that is important to note is that if you want your your assets your portfolio, to take on a life of its own. Your earned income is to keep the lights on and food on your table so that you keep your grubby hands off of the investments that you have so they can compound and grow. And of course, there's leverage in that. Take away the leverage from all of these things I've talked about, and it's not so impressive anymore. So you have to learn how leverage works, and you have to think about it in everything that you do. And if you live your life this way, you will be successful. That's it. It's America, baby. Take advantage of it. It's right there in front of you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. This has been a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North, KSTP AM 1500. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. 
Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com/podcast1. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com/podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.